touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, um, look, it's, uh, Regular season's over. Uh, the Chiefs did what they needed to do to get the number one seed. I, this is not the podcast I was expecting to be doing candidly because obviously this is the first time we've recorded since the DeMar Hamlin in, injury on Monday Night Football. Um, and he was released from the – since uh, we found out today that he had been transferred from a hospital in Cincinnati to a hospital in Buffalo. So good news for, uh, for that. And, and grateful that he's doing better. Um, but it, it created, if you're a chiefs fan, a bit of a challenge trying to f- navigate kind of what the path forward in the playoffs might be. And, and obviously that's fine. That should have been secondary to DeMar Hamlin's health, but, um, Look, we're going to get to all that. We're going to talk about the playoffs and stuff like that. But I do want to spend a little bit of time, Nick, um, if you'll indulge me talking about uh, the Raiders game. I feel like, and and let me know if you feel different, that that was the most complete game they had played since the 49ers game, which is way back in October before the bye. Am I crazy? If I'm looking at the three most complete games I I felt like they played this year, it was the... The Cardinals game wasn't bad. The Tampa game was closer to what you'd expect. And then, yeah, then I'd say the Niners and then this Raiders game. So, I mean, in terms of all-around ability, special teams, defense, and offense, those are probably the four from the entire year that really felt like that. Um, The Chiefs, when they were in Denver, could have been that, but the defense didn't. When the defense let them back in, it didn't get to that level that people – we're hoping from a dominant performance perspective. I, the one that I kind of, if there's one since the bye week that I put in there, but you know, and kind of say, you know what, that was probably a pretty good performance. It's probably the Jaguars. Um, that was early. And when they were starting to hit their stride and kind of come around and, and, you know, go on this tear that led them to, to win the AFC South and make the playoffs. Uh, and the chiefs handled that game. Um, I, I'd never felt like the, the Jaguars were, um, contending, you know, ha- had a chance to win that football game against the chiefs, but I, I just, I also didn't feel like it was a dominant, like completely lopsided performance, but this game against the Raiders was how much do you, do you read into that though? Because, you know, I mean, they're playing a backup quarterback. Josh McDaniels had a terrible year. You know, a lot of the guys had checked out. Um, not even, I mean, Josh Jacobs had had a tough week with his dad having the the heart emergency heart surgery and in, in Oklahoma, there was a lot of things surrounding, not anything near like what the Raiders went through last year, but there was a lot that went into that. I'm not sure that that's a great barometer. It's good that the chiefs showed they can do that, but um, do you still think, the the previous month and the, the struggles the Chiefs had to put teams away do you, is that still too fresh in your mind to feel confident going into the playoffs? Um, I mean, personally, I can't keep punishing them for previous weeks. I needed to be able to see it, so I mean, I saw it against the Raiders, and that put me at ease a little bit. Now they got to be able to build off that and go from there. So, I mean, I'm not personally. I mean, would you like to see it multiple weeks? Sure, but I mean. They did it on a short week coming off 
something that was on everybody's minds from Monday Night Football, and they showed a level of focus, and they showed a level of an intensity, and they showed a level of completeness that really spoke to who they can be in moments when they need to be. So, I mean, I'm going to recognize what they did and with the challenges that they faced. I don't care who they played. I don't care, like, you know, it could have been – you know, 22 guys named Timmy Timerson. I, I don't care. They, it's still their job to I think do their only, part. I think there were only three named Timmy Timerson on the Raiders this year. Certainly possible. But they, they went out and did their part. And that's that's all that matters at the at the end of it for me. So I mean, I'm I'm you know, I'm gauging them on their barometer, not necessarily all the other factors. Cause I mean, look, I mean, you could go down the list and say, you know, the Chargers you know, had this problem. I mean, the reality is everybody in the NFL has got problems like that. That's just the, that's just fact. So, I mean, everybody's got their, you know, so, I mean, you can knock this team or that team because didn't have this player or that player, but at the end of the day, they still got to go out there and do the job. And there's times where people play down to lesser opponents across it, even including the Bengals and the, and the bills. So, I mean, you know, he, the chiefs went out and they, they did what they needed to headed into the bye week and headed into the playoffs. Yeah, and and look, I think they deserve a lot of credit for finishing fourteen and three. I mean, there's something to be said for that because, um, you know, other teams struggled. I mean, they took some some tough losses, you know, and some unexpected losses here or there. You know, I mean, I still go back to, um, you know, the loss to the Colts. That one I think is the one that the Chiefs will look back on if they don't get to host the AFC championship game against the bills and say that ah, we, we, we really screwed that one up. Um, you know, but uh, they also had a chance to beat the bills straight up, you know, um, you know, and the other two games that they lost were, you know, like I said, to the bills and to the Bengals who I think are, uh, you know, along with the chiefs, the only legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the AFC this year, the only elite teams in the AFC. I think it's one of those three teams that's going to be in Glendale when the dust settles, uh, you know, at the end of January. Oh, well, and, and the other kicker of it is like I ran the numbers and put out there on Twitter. I mean, the chiefs went six and two against other playoff teams this year, like that. They played the most amount of playoff teams and had the most successful rate of any team in the AFC. And then you compare that against cross-reference that against the NFC, you know, I mean like that, 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 you know, half the chief schedule was teams that are in the, uh, almost half the chief schedule is teams that were in the playoffs and even a couple that were still in contention. That wasn't an easy schedule going into the year, and it's still not now. I know the Bengals and Bill, and Bills fans in my mentions want to remind me that they beat the Chiefs, and that's fine. It happened. It is what it is. So, I mean, it, honestly, all, all this is in the playoffs at this point, just going out and shutting people up at this point. Like, that's that's going to be the mission. Just go out there and end the doubt and end it all and just and just handle what needs to be handled because the narrative coming in, I hate to use the word narrative, um, the little storyline. You love it. You know, you do. I hate it with a passion. And I said it, (laughs) the storyline coming into the year was all the chiefs are going to chiefs aren't going to be able to do this out. Tyreek. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win the AFC West. All those things combined, all that noise out there. It got put out there and the chiefs shut it all down. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the Bengals and bills were, were built to go against the chiefs and to be able to match the chiefs. Like that's the wave right now of what that is. And the chargers, if they don't keep players in whenever it's a meaningless game and get them hurt, you know, they have that, that potential too, if they don't have some idiotic coaching, like they do from time to time. And by time to time, I mean, all the time. So, you know, like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, the the chiefs are going to have to combat and figure out a way to combat 
the Bills and Bengals. But like I like I wrote in the season preview or the season prediction, the Chiefs want to win the war, not the battle. The Bills game in week five or six, that was a battle. The Bengals game was a battle. Now the war you want to win is in the playoffs because that's when it actually matters. All right. And turning your attention toward the playoffs, I want to ask, what was a bigger deal to you in that Raiders game? We know we know who and what Patrick Mahomes is. Um, but they rushed for 168 yards uh, in that game. You saw, you know, Pacheco was a monster. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon continues to, to be a, a force, especially in the red zone. It's good to see Ronald Jones get his feet wet in case he's needed. Um, and then you saw the, you know, six sacks. Chris Jones got two and a half to tie his, you know, career high with 15 and a half. Mike Dana had a couple. Uh, George Karloftis had one for, you know, the sixth straight game, whatever it was. Um, I mean, how, what was the most encouraging thing among some of those things um, that you saw, you know, or, or if you want to pick, you know, no significant injuries, uh, unless you count Frank Clark, um, you know, coming out of that game as you look toward the divisional round now. I'm not too, I'm not too worried about Frank Clark uh, simply because I saw his Instagram post and uh, it sounds like he plans to be ready in two weeks. So I'm, sure. not, I'm not I'm not terribly worried about that seeing his post because if there's anybody who puts their mind to it and gets something done, I mean it's it's Frank Clark in terms of battling back through stuff. That dude, that dude's got a physical and mental toughness that's unreal. So I'm not too worried about him after seeing that post. Um, but I mean, look, I mean on offense, the the Chiefs had a, the Chiefs have built up an effective run game, which is what they spent since the 49ers game. That's what they spent half the season doing to get ready for this time and for this moment and to be in a rhythm and to have that available. Then the Chiefs started slowly throwing in the deep shots over the past couple of weeks because they know they want to build up that part of their offense, especially when the offensive line, they think they can handle those five to seven step drops where they can or can just depends on the day and the pass rush. But I mean, that that was the other portion of it. Watson made, was successful with it. Ideally, you want to see McCole Hardman come back and try to be successful with it. Valdez, Scantling, and Mahomes still really aren't on the same book, but I mean, you know, they they aren't. But Valdez Scantling had one of his best career, or best seasons ever. I mean, if you look at statistically, uh, Valdez Scantling still had one of the best seasons of his career, uh, and, and, which is a, was striking to me when you look at when you watch all the games and you think of all the missed opportunities they had and, and the kind of season he could have had. But still, this I think we saw who and what Marquez Valdez Scantling is. No, oh, yeah, definitely saw it. So I mean, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's gonna have to make some decisions in the offseason on that portion. Um, so I mean, from an offensive perspective, as you saw there, no Gray is really kind of gonna potentially turn himself into a nice checkdown and integral part here in the playoffs. You're hoping uh, defensively. I, I was surprised when I saw the Chiefs when they sent out their their email. And there was like the Chiefs defense had like 53 or uh, 52, 53 sacks for the year. They were right up there with 55, that group. 55, yeah. I think. But, okay. So then they, yeah. that might have been in the 2018 and 55 was this year. Because um, I was like, it was like, really? That in 2018 are the two times they had the most sacks? So, okay. All right, then. But it makes sense in 2018 because of how many passing options they had. So I, I, it's just interesting because the Chiefs were rushing attack, were trying to run the run the clock down game after game and 
in 2018, you had teams who were trying to play catch up with the Chiefs, a high powered offense. So, I mean, it's just interesting the dynamic, how different it was, but they still got close to that same total. That was, that was really intriguing to me on that part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively, look, I mean, they're starting to force turnovers and they're starting to create that. So you hope that that's a trend that can continue over hopefully the next three games. And then, you know, defense is tightened up in a couple spots, but I would like to see, I mean, it's good. It's going to come down to Chris Jones and George Karloff. This really kind of helping lead that pass rush to a certain level to, to make the difference in the divisional round and hopefully conference championship round. Cause those are, those are where you need those guys to really step up, especially if you're going to play Burrow Allen, cause you only want to bring five if you ha- you know, if you can and leave everybody else back in pass in uh, pass coverage. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that the ability to, to get some pressure with four or five and not just get some pressure, but get home um, and get some sacks is going to be key. I think Chris Jones is highly motivated. Um, and I think George Karloff, this is in a pretty good place. He's got a high motor. Um, you saw once again, you know, he got, he got pushed up the field, but he, he you know, had another one of those relentless kind of sacks um, against Jarrett Stidham in, in the Raiders game where he got pushed up, you know, pushed past the quarterback, but, but rallied back with some counter moves to, to make the sack. So I'm um, encouraging stuff there, especially if they can get contributions from Colin Saunders and Mike Dana. And if Frank Clark uh, is able to go and is able to, to, to play at kind of the level he's been at this year. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're not, I don't think that I don't see him getting six sacks against the, you know, Josh Allen and the bills or, Joey Burrow and and the Bengals in the playoffs, but you get two or three and you'd be in a pretty good spot to ruin a couple drives and and do your part to get the team you know the 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 offense back on the field. Um, I I do. I mean, we talked previously about how critical it was. We thought for the Chiefs to get that by. It didn't quite happen the way that that we thought it would, but um, this set up about as perfectly as it could, right? I mean. The Chiefs are going to have to probably play. Uh, let's assume the Bengals and the Bills don't get upset by either the Ravens or or Miami. Um, the, then the Chiefs are probably getting the the Jaguars Chargers winner. Um, uh, the Chiefs are going to be favored in that game, especially at home. Um, and then you know if it's the Bengals, it's a neutral. Or sorry, if it's the Bills, it's a neutral site game. If it's the Bengals, it will be played at GEHA Field because of some of the 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 things are going on there, but what, what do you make of the, the setup in the AFC? Um, you know, and, and I, do you agree with me that the chiefs got about as favorable as a situation as they possibly could? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what you're working for. And this is what you're hoping for if you're the chiefs. Cause I mean, the, the road right now with where their roster's at to take on the Bengals and the bills and back-to-back weeks was going to be really tough. And if they end up playing the chargers and then taking on the bills or Bengals, back-to-back weeks that's still not going to be an easy road if the chargers don't have any more players get hurt you know (laughs) so um yeah yeah, that's you know i mean with doug the chiefs have a familiarity with that and you know i just think trevor lawrence just probably isn't ready for that portion of the stage i mean chargers will know the chiefs very well and they will give them at minimum a close game and they they would be they would be a legitimate threat for the chiefs if that if that were the case. So, I mean, that's where the chiefs would have to turn it on to a different level against the chargers that you didn't necessarily see in the regular season, but the benefit for the chiefs is no matter who they play of the favorite of the favored teams, 
they've seen them all this year. They've seen what their defensive scheme is. They've seen what their offensive scheme is. They've seen what they're trying to attack, and they've seen some of those teams put their chips on the table to try to at least get that win and get that notch on their belt against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, that's that's the one benefit for the Chiefs if the Bengals, you know, Bills potentially, depending on what happens with Chargers, Jaguars, move on. That's the benefit. The thing that will be a little bit, a little bit uncharted territory for them would be if they ended up playing the Dolphins in the second round. That would be that would be interesting because you're gonna have a very motivated Tyreek Hill as long as his ankle is fine and he comes back from it. You know he's fine from his injury and what happens with Waddle and Tua and that. But they're they're a really beat up team right now that it's gonna take everything they got to get through the Bills and I don't know how much they'll have left if they got to the Chiefs come the divisional round. Yeah, I'm less worried about about what we've seen from them, you know, and the Raiders, um, or sorry, the Ravens. Um, you know, if Lamar Jackson's healthy, you give him a puncher's chance, but um, much like people like to talk about the the Bengals being in the Chiefs' heads and the Bengals having the Chiefs' number, I think you could say the same over the years about the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, you know, Mahomes seems to, to have their number um, for the most part. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, if the Jags and look, the Jaguars beat, uh, beat the chargers 38, 10 earlier in the season. If the Jaguars win that game again, I'm taking Steve Spagnolo against, uh, you know, a, a, you know, against Trevor Lawrence all day, every day in a playoff matchup like that. Right. Um, um, I do want to ask though, do you think it's fair the way that the NFL set things up and that, uh, you know, the chiefs won out, which is all they could do. Um, you know, do you think it's fair that if the bills are the team that, that if, you know, if the bills and the chiefs are to meet in the AFC championship game, it's at a neutral site. Um, I think it's as fair as the NFL could make it under the circumstances to where they didn't want to force the chiefs to go to Buffalo and they didn't, but they didn't want to force the the bills to go to Kansas city either. If they had a chance at the one seed. And in all honesty, I think the NFL also in some ways wanted to make sure that they had a good chance of getting that bills Bengals matchup on TV and then try to get the chiefs versus whoever was left. I mean, let's, let's be honest. So if this gave them that angle and allowed that to happen, and gives them two massive TV ratings. I don't think I don't, I don't think the NFL is going to be upset by that. That's going to help them next year when people talk about how the NFL was 80 of the top 100 programs on TV for the year. So, it, you know, I it I mean it's I think the Chiefs sometimes honestly play better when they're on the road. I think they're a little bit more focused. So, I mean, if they're playing an AFC Championship game in a neutral site, I'm I'm not I'm not going to be upset with it where I'm going to be curious to see is where where's the climate controlled stadium or the nicer weather stadium that it's played in and what's that field like there because whenever everybody's talking about the Colts and Indianapolis thing I was terrified of the Chiefs being there because the Chiefs have had four or five concussions there in their past you know not this game but the previous two games there in the wild card and then the Alex Smith one in 2016 like you know the guys get concussions there because how sure. hard that how hard that field is like, I mean, that's a hard feel. If you step on it, there's not a lot of give in it. There's not a lot of padding to it. And that's why I'm kind of surprised when guys run 40 times at the combine. I'm just hoping nobody falls down because they may come away with a concussion with how hard that uh, that turf can be. So Yeah, I also, though, 
I, I don't understand why, like, the Bills and Chiefs are cold-weather cities this time of year. I don't understand why, like, just play the game at Soldier Field. The Bears aren't using it. It's a historic venue. It hasn't seen playoffs in, in too long. Um, just play it there. It'll be fine. I think anything is on the table, but I do also kind of wonder if the NFL's got to take into account, hey, what gives them the best the best money-wise for suites? Stadium wise, what get what what can they get the most from a sweet perspective? I, and what I gives suspect... them the best what gives them the best atmosphere around the area so that they can have people spend money to come see that AFC championship game this time around so that they can make it a more permanent thing. I think if they can find a way to make even more money with the conference championship games on top of the Super Bowl, I don't see the NFL being against that idea. I've heard that a lot. I think the owners would be against that idea though. Um, I, I, if you're, if I'm Clark hunt and I've got Patrick Mahomes, I I'm not signing up for one playoff game. Then one, then back then two neutral site games under the current playoff scenario. Like that's not, that's not something I'm super interested in doing. I think I'd rather have uh, two home games than a, a neutral site super bowl. Um, I, I suspect that's what most of the owners would want, but, but you're right. Money talks. I, I don't think they're going to have an issue with getting, if it is a, a chiefs, the only way it could be a neutral site game is if it's chiefs bills, I don't think you're going to have a problem getting chiefs and bills fans to show up for that game. No, I don't think the problem is to be how many tickets are available, how many are open versus how many they do for potentially other advertising partners that they want to dedicate a section to, or, you know, whatever they may end up having cooked up in the system. What about, what about home preseason uh, media rights partners? I don't know. That's, that's Can we above, get some tickets? That's above me, sir. So, I mean, good <laughs> luck to you um, on navigating that waters. But and, and, like, the kicker of it is, I mean, from a playoff perspective, you know, ticket, if you go through the fine print and everything, some of the sales, like, I mean, the, Chief, the Chiefs would potentially lose out, if I remember correctly from the article, you know, the parking and probably the, con- I think the parking and concessions, parking but, concessions. Yeah. And, and but, I'm guessing that merchandise sales would be better at home uh, where you can control that. And so um, I, and you're not I, having to split the, the, the available retail space. And so I think where they're caught, co- I think where the NFL would have to sell that to owners, if they did came to vote down the road would be what, how much more money could they make off of it this way, even with the split, between the two, you know, versus it just being at one home site. Now, the problem that you run into is the economy is where it would be at, how much of a big hit it would be for the surrounding economy for a couple days, and how much more money restaurants and hotels in that area would make from losing that game, you know, for that for that weekend. Yeah, I just think it'd be a tough sale for me. Um, I would want to give my team every advantage um, I could, um, in those situations, um, you know, and, and the other thing I, not that I think the NFL will consider it highly, but asking fans to travel more than one weekend, um, could get a little tricky. Um, you know, especially if, you know, uh, with the cost of go attending some of these games and, and things like that. I mean, you're, you're, you're asking a lot of, of the fan bases in terms of the, the outlay, uh, and, uh, I, I I wouldn't be in favor of, of that personally, but um, one thing that I do think is a little bit unfair about the setup though, is 
I mean, you know, they keep saying, well, the Bills, you know, they if they had beaten the Bengals, they would have had a shot at the number one seed. Well, if the Bengals had beaten the Bills, they would have had a shot at hosting the divisional round against the Bills. Right. Why aren't they having a coin flip for Bills Bengals, assuming that that, you know, it comes down to that? Or why are they not playing that in a neutral site? game. I mean, if I'm the Bengals, I'm pretty irritated because if we, you know, the way I look at it, if we had lost to the Ravens, you're making me coin flip for the wild card game. And, um, you know, but, but I, you know, and you're giving the bills the chance, you know, to, if they win to go ahead and, and get a neutral site AFC championship game. Uh, but when it comes down to us, we, you know, we could have flipped the script and, and made the bills come to us in the divisional round. And we're not getting any benefit from this at all. It doesn't make any sense why the, the NFL would say, okay, we're doing this for wild card weekend and we're doing this for championship weekend, but we don't care about the divisional round. I do think the, the Bengals have a gripe. No, I mean, that's the, that's the one point of the whole thing that I do think probably was, I was disappointed in was that the Bengals had no, no true shot of if it's even on both uh, both parties for them. Hey, this is what it what it should be, but if I, if I remember correctly, what the Bengals ended up being, uh, we'll stand the Bengals, Bengals finished twelve yeah. and four, so they they didn't right. have a chance to catch the Chiefs, but that, had they I, beaten the Bills, they would have had a chance to 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 host that divisional game. Right, I think where the NFL probably had to protect themselves was the winning percentage thing, and if they opened themselves up to that part of it, I think that would have been a whole another can of worms. So. That's where they probably if the if the Bills had lost to the to the Patriots, then I I think that would have opened up that part of it, and that's where you probably could have put that stipulation in. But I, it was just going to be tough. well, but it yeah, it just it doesn't the rationale used though for making the Chiefs acquiesce to the Bills in a championship game scenario was well they would have had a chance to to get the number one seed. And if that's the if that's the standard you're going to apply, I think you have to apply it at every step along the way. That's the standard you were going to apply theoretically, you know, because you you went win percentage to determine that the that the Bengals were going to be the three seed, but that's the standard that you use to apply, you know, well, hey, had the had the Bengals lost, then you know, the Ravens could have been the three seed in that scenario. I just to, to do that in two of the three rounds, but not apply the same standard in the divisional round. I can see why the Bengals are upset about that. Um, and I do think it, it's advent hugely advantageous to the bills. Hugely. Yeah. I have nothing else to say on that one. <laughs> um, all right, real quick, NFC, uh, NFC game. I, I, I don't love any of these matchups. I think San Francisco is going to run rough shot over Seattle I don't really care who wins the Giants or the uh, the Vikings game because I don't think either one of those teams is a legitimate contender. So I mean, I, you know, I hope there's a good game, but I think it's irrelevant. I think they're either I think either one of those teams loses in the next round. Um, Dallas, Tampa, that's going to draw a huge number on Monday Night Football, um, and I am curious to see how the Monday Night thing breaks down. I mean, I think the only thing we know for sure coming out of that is the Dallas Tampa winners not playing on Saturday, right? We know that game is going to be on Sunday uh, and it's probably going to be the Sunday night game one way or the other, because they're going to take Brady 
and or the Cowboys in that Sunday night hole and give them as much time as possible um, to, to rest and recover and prepare for a divisional round. Um, but I, I just, I think those are two bad, you know, I, I don't, I think those are two teams that aren't playing great football right now. It's not a hugely intriguing matchup. I think that the NFC is San Francisco's to lose. I know the Eagles got the buy and if they can, if, if Jalen hurts is healthy and they can play like they did the first 10, 12 weeks of the season, uh, you know, the, then Philadelphia certainly can make me eat those words. But I think San Francisco is the class of the NFC right now, and I think they're going to prove it in, over the next three weeks. I, I mean, I think it's between the 49ers and Eagles in the conference championship. I do think it'll be one of those two teams because the Giants struggled against playoff teams this year. The Vikings, yeah. they'll, they'll struggle come playoff time against the caliber they're going to place in the divisional round. I mean, the Niners are the best in the NFC West, and it's not really going to be a problem there. It's just a matter of, can Brady hold off the Cowboys or do the Cowboys get it together in a way that they're capable of? So that, that aspect will be, it, it'll all be interesting at the end of the day. Cause I mean, whenever I'm looking at the matchups, I, I'm obviously, I'm expecting the Niners to beat the Seahawks. I expect the Vikings to beat the giants. I expect the Jaguars to, I, I expect the Jaguars to beat the chargers because of some of Brandon Staley's stupidity. <laughs> I, I, that's what I think is going to end up happening in that. I think the Chargers are the more talented roster, but I just don't see how that team's going to stay healthy. And I think Doug's going to throw some stuff at him because he's got two Chiefs games to use to help him. And I'm telling you, that Chargers run defense is so bad, so bad that like that's and, what's going to get him. And that may be what gets the Bills too because the Bills and Chargers, man, they're in the low 20s in terms of run defense. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. Yeah, I get the Bengals over the Ravens. I'm taking the Bills over the Dolphins, but the Dolphins were the only matchup that could beat the Bills headed into that potential Bengals one. And then I, I just I think Mike McCarthy's such a bad coach. I expect Brady to somehow find <laughs> yeah, a way, no, no matter how bad he is, or not him, but yeah. the team. Uh, yeah, I expect Sean Sean Payton will be in Dallas uh, uh, after. Tampa Bay beats Dallas in the wild card round this year. Uh, that's how they'll justify sending McCarthy or yeah, McCarthy packing. Um, I do like if I were if I had to pick, I, I picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl before the season. Honestly, if I had to pick now, I would probably lean toward a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Four Niners versus Chiefs uh, in Glendale. Um, you know, come February, that's just where that's just where I you know on paper that's kind of where I think this is heading. I mean, it's 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 certainly possible. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount it. I think that's one of the matchups going to happen. The other two teams that I think are still going to have a say in it. It's going to be the Bengals and Eagles in different ways. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it it'll it'll be interesting. But I, I just I really hope to see a full. I really hope to see a full complete game of Bills Bengals because that just that looks like such a fun matchup. And the only other one I wanted to see was like the Chargers either taking on the Bills or the Chargers taking on the. Bengals was the other one I was kind of hoping would happen. And I thought, I thought if the Ravens had their stuff together, which it didn't, I, I thought there was a chance where it's like, Hey, he could see the Bengals take on the chargers. Like, it, I don't know. Just, it it would have been, it would have been really interesting to kind of see that matchup. I do though. I like, uh, I like the Herbert Trevor Lawrence, both of them mm -hmm. first playoff appearance against each other. That's my favorite storyline of the whole wild card weekend. I think that's has the potential to be the best game. I think that's the most intriguing matchup. I think most of the other games, I mean, if, if Tua Tagovailoa or Lamar Jackson play, then I think that that changes the dynamic of those games, but still both those guys have been out for a while. 
I'm not sure how sharp either one will be. I'm not sure either one is going to be 100% uh, physically or mentally for that game. It's hard for me to see, you know, an upset happening against the Bills or the Bengals. And then we kind of went through the NFC. I just think those are some, some, um, I just don't think those are great, great matchups featuring great teams necessarily. Um, so, um, I, the, the game of the weekend, I think is definitely chargers Jags and, and, and you know, and it also, that's also in all likelihood, the matchup, uh, the team that's going to, the winner that is going to become a narrowhead the next weekend. So, and for people that don't know the Jaguars played the chargers in week three, right after the, uh, the chargers played the chiefs on Thursday night. And the Jaguars beat the Chargers in their house, thirty-eight to ten. Beat the it, it brakes was, off of it them. was it was not close. I mean, they had over one hundred and fifty yeah. rushing against the Chargers. They were kind of the first ones to kind of show how bad their run defense was. I mean, Herbert obviously had the rib issue and kind of soldiered through it, and somehow had three hundred yards passing. But it also kind of speaks to Brennan Staley having a quarterback with a rib injury <laughs> playing in week three. And they, I mean, they had ten days and they were ill prepared. And the Jaguars, they 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 dominate them in every aspect of that game. And they, I mean, they, they, it was, it was not a pretty football game. I remember watching it then and watching the coaches film on it and like just the drives that they had against them. And that was before the Jaguars kind of really had that stretch that they did because the, the key turning point for the Jaguars this year was that Cowboys game. That was when they, it, that was when they truly knew that they could go out and, and beat anybody and that they could win. That was kind of the signature win for Doug, in my opinion, because after that, I mean, they, they, you know, they beat the Jets, Texans, and Titans. And I mean, that may not be like it, may not seem like a big deal, but it, I'm telling you, I mean, uh, that that was one of those, that and the Ravens one, those were two wins after their bye week that really kind of set them on the path that they're, that they're on now. Yeah. Greatest turnaround in NFL history for a team to go from, you know, having number one pick and the disaster that was the, the short lived Urban Meyer era there in Jacksonville to taking that team to the playoffs, getting them above 500 at nine and eight. It helps to have a Trevor Lawrence, I think. Um, and there's certainly some talent on that roster, but um, Doug Peterson deserves a lot of consideration for NFL coach of the year, I think. But I think uh, his mentor, Andy Reid does too. When you look at what the chiefs were able to accomplish going 14 and three this year, um, speaking of coaches, um, which, which NFL opening and, and we're not going to speculate, you know, I know we had some fun about Mike McCarthy there, but which of the NFL openings is the most intriguing to you? Cliff Kingsbury's out in Arizona, Lovey Smith's out in Houston. Those are poverty franchises in my opinion, but Carolina went six and six under Steve Wilkes after they sent uh, Matt rule packing uh, Indianapolis, you know, fell completely apart um, after Frank Reich went away. And then Denver, um, I think that one, that one for me might be the most intriguing just because there's some pieces in place and obviously it's a you know, AFC West. So it's, it's a, a, a team that I probably pay a little bit more attention to than, than other teams uh, across the league. I think the Colts job is the one that can help you get to the playoffs the quickest. And anytime you're getting to the playoffs that helps you keep job security in the NFL. So if, if whoever wants to take that job, that that's going to be the job that can, you're going against the Jaguars, and if you make the right moves, it's kind of you versus the Jaguars. The Titans, we'll see what they do with their roster here in the months ahead, if they can kind of com compete their way back or if they're going to have to tear it down and rebuild here pretty soon with the whole Tannehill and Derrick Henry being their identity in that aspect, what they, what they end up choosing there. 
Texans are a dumpster fire. They're going to be dumpster fire for a while. Um, the Cardinals, you know, and then Cla- you classless franchise, absolutely classless franchise. What they did to David Cullen and Lovey Smith in back-to-back years, just um, unconscionable. So the Texans are going to be bad for a while. Cardinals, we'll see what they do at GM. That'll determine a lot of of that. I yeah. mean, the problem they run into is with Kyler Murray tearing his ACL. You just don't, you you just don't know what you're going to have at quarterback or what you're going to have to put at quarterback is Kyler Murray's injury. I mean, most people that tear their ACL could take up to two years before they're who they were before that, before that injury. So, I mean, you're, you're essentially having to get a new quarterback to buy you time potentially for two years, you know, and, and and if you don't, you may be certainly at least the first half of it. Yeah. Certainly at least the first half of next year. I mean, I, it, it would be hard for me to see him coming back and being a hundred percent by the beginning of, of September, not unprecedented, but uh, I mean, I'm not rushing my, after the investment we put into him before this season, I have no interest in rushing him back prematurely. Just in all honesty, the, the three jobs that are going to intrigue candidates aren't on the market yet. <laughs> and we'll see It's potentially going to be the Rams, the chargers and the Cowboys jobs. If those become available, that's that. So I'm just going to be blunt. What's going to be happening right now? Is people are going to be using these other teams as leverage to see if those open. And then if those open, then that's where the quality candidates end up trying to go, trying to go to. So like when everybody talks about Ryan's from the 49ers and, you know, so, I mean, as long as Ryan's is in the playoffs, Hey, guess what? I mean, he didn't really, you know, he can't truly make a decision until they they're out of it. So in an ideal world, he's waiting until the super bowl. And at that time, you know, the chargers, season should be over and the Cowboys season should be over. So if those are one of the two jobs he wants, he could potentially go get. And I mean, somebody like Dan Quinn, who, who, from what I'd heard through the grapevine last year, turned down that Broncos job to stay with the Cowboys. You know, if he goes there now, cause Russell Wilson's there and the ownership things stabilized then I mean, okay, he goes there, but there's not exactly, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're doing anything different than what you've already done, but whoever's inheriting that at least has the quarterback, the ownership in place, and a good defense if you keep the scheme the same as it was. But you're yeah, going to Mahomes the, and Herbert every single year. Right, right. I think the one other one, the the one other opening that I think is potentially intriguing is Carolina, just because I think there's more pieces in place to win than people realize. They've got some draft capital, so you can come in. You've got some chips you can play to address needs that you would have as a roster um, that granted some of the, you know, the, they may not be high draft picks coming from San Francisco with the way they're playing, but you do have some, some, some things, some things to work with. Assuming Tom Brady's not in Tampa after this year, um, you know, and then looking at the saints, um, you know, are, are not exactly a dominant team. The Falcons, not exactly a dominant team. I, I think that the NFC South is a winnable division, Um, but you know, none of those places have a quarterback, which is good. And it's bad, right? Like you don't, you don't have a quarterback for your franchise, but it's not like coming to the AFC West where, you know, for the next 10 or 15 years, you're going against Mahomes and Herbert twice a year. You don't have that problem in the NFC South right now. Um, so I think Carolina is more attractive than people might think. Yeah. It's, it's a more winnable job. I mean, that and the Colts are the most winnable out on the market right now to where you, you know, you win the division, you kind of, you know, guarantee those checks keep coming in, which at the end of the day, that's, 
that's what people don't seem to understand sometimes is like, <laughs> that's, that's more important than, you know, Hey, I'm going to go be the savior for this franchise of a organization like the Cardinals that doesn't have, um, a coach that's been there past six or seven years ever. I would love to see Steve Wilkes maybe get a chance in Carolina. I don't know if they're going to go that route, just removing the interim tag from him. But, uh, you know, he was a guy before the Texans, you know, did what they did to Colin and, and Lovey Smith the last couple of years. Um, it was the Cardinals who, as we've mentioned as a poverty franchise did the same thing to Steve Wilkes. And then for him to take that roster, that was not any good um, and not playing well. And they had traded away uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then he gets them to go six and six down the stretch. Um, that was kind of impressive, much more impressive than his uh, one year stint as defensive coordinator at Mizzou. I think. Yes. Those are definitely different uh, experiences for him and for <laughs> everybody that was on those fan bases. All right. Uh, anything else? What else you got? No, I'm good. Um, I'm good as well. Um, hope you kids have a, a happy 2023 and we will talk to you again soon. Take care kids.